Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Fi fans. It's Michelle Joy Phelps. And I have the big man himself sitting next to me. And Sugar Hill. Uh, Thank you guys for coming down first and foremost. Uh, This is... A great exclusive for me to have you guys both sat here speaking to me. So how are you? Doing great. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you uh, designed this two-for-one deal here. <laughs> exactly. How are you, Tyson? I'm good. I'm alive and well, out of trouble, and um, staying healthy and in shape. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I haven't spoken to you pretty much since lockdown. Um, you seem to be in great spirits, in great shape. Uh, you've kept yourself quite busy. You've also started the Tyson Fury Foundation. Um, before we get into all of the the boxing technical side of things, uh, do you want to talk a bit about the foundation and why yeah. you created it? Yeah, the foundation is not officially open right now. Still in the process of being open, lawyers are on it, that sort of stuff. But I have opened my gym, my boxing gym, where we're working on a daily basis. Um, why have I opened it? To give children in the area or wherever they're from, they want to come down wherever, a chance and opportunity in life to do something like I did, maybe free boxing or football or sports or something. I'm working um, very close with another charity, um, which I can't reveal yet because we've not uh, broadcasted it to the world. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be good, you know. We're going to have plenty of opportunity there for, for children and, and uh, other sports people. Very good. I mean, I always love to see that. I think that there's no better way of giving back than giving to the kids. For sure. And I always wanted a gym of my own where I could just go in, have the key, do what I want to do and then get out of there rather than waiting on other people's times and other people opening gyms and stuff. So now I've got my gym in my own area where I live. It's pretty, pretty easy to, to work out and box quite a lot. All right, so I'm super curious because I know that Emmanuel Stewart said that you had called him at one point and said, I have this guy in my gym uh, named Tyson Fury and he's looking for you. Can we talk about the very first time you met a young Tyson Fury? Well, it was just a routine day in the gym uh, in Detroit, the Crunk Gym. And uh, I was in the ring training. And um, I remember there's a guy at the door named Bam. So he always would introduce 
introduce himself to everybody and introduce that person to the gym. And that day, uh, bam, he was hollered out to me and said, hey, Hill, this is a guy at the gym, this big old guy at the gym, talking about he's going to be the next world champion, heavyweight world champion. And I'm in the ring training somebody, and normally I don't like to be bothered. So I look over there, and I'm like, ah, you know, like, ah, big deal. Like, you know, somebody coming to the gym saying they want to, uh, you know, be the next heavyweight world champion. And at that, at that time, Vladimir Klitschko was the world champion. So, um, you know, Introduced me to Tyson, and then Tyson, he, he wanted to work out, so he worked out a bit that day, and I'm watching him move around, and he's moving like one of these little welterweights, you know, so it kind of impressed me. And uh, he ended up leaving or whatever, and uh, ended up meeting up with Emmanuel later on, and the uh, rest is history. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that moment? Very much so. I said to the taxi driver from the airport, take me to the trunk gym. Didn't have a phone number, didn't have an address to where I was going. I just rocked up at the airport. Detroit City, let's go. Mm-hmm. Gets to the taxi driver and he says, oh, takes me to this place. It wasn't a Kong gym anymore. It was closed down. So I said, shit, basically. To try and find out where the next one is. So he took me to it where it was. I said, wait here five minutes. I'm going to go in and come back out and tell you if everything's okay or we're going back to the airport. So goes in, says what I said to the Sugar Hill. And I'm, I goes back out and said, well, cool. And he drove away. <laughs> and uh, that was it. Like he said, the rest was history. Yeah, I remember um, Emmanuel said that you showed up with just a bag on your shoulder and he didn't even know that you were, you were coming. That's right. He said he thought you weren't coming. That's right. There was no, I didn't say I was going because I never had the phone number. The phone number that I had for Emmanuel like months before, say yeah. six months before, was no longer working anymore. So I thought, it's now or never. It was October 2009, nine or 10. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, if I don't go, I'm going to regret it forever. Um, so I need to get the experience and, and find out what it's like to go over there. So got on the plane, rocked up. But I was kind of lucky and almost meant to be because I didn't know at that time that Emmanuel used to travel around the world doing HBO commentary and town to town and training camp to training camp. I was just had it in my mind that, yeah, he's going to be there at the Cronk Gym in Detroit. So I was kind of lucky that he wasn't working at that time. Mm-hmm. So, Did yeah. you guys get to hang out at all? Like, do you any... Ooh. We had a couple of business dinner meetings and things like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Look at that mischievous smile. <laughs> no, we were together every day, like, you know, um, the time that he was there. Andy happened to be out of town at, at that particular time when he arrived, but uh, up until that point, it was just me and him. So this linking up again must have just been, like, two old friends finally getting the opportunity to sort of circle back around and, and you know, just partner up for the first... Yeah, because I know that Emmanuel said that had he not been training Klitschko, he would have trained you. So what does it feel like to sort of fill the shoes that um, Emmanuel always wanted to fill? Uh, For me, it feels good. It just reminds me of uh, listening to all the things that he said over my lifetime and watching these things, you know, start to happen. Uh, A lot of things that he's mentioned uh, in boxing and in life, these things are still coming true. And for, uh, you know, me and Tyson to, to be working together... Is one of the, it just reminds me of one of the things, you know, some of the things and lessons that he's taught me mm-hmm. and uh, just listening to him talk and saying, you know, one of the things he always says is always treat people good. You know, you never know what's going to happen in life. And, uh, and then here we are again working together. Let's talk a bit about Emmanuel's um, sort of, I don't want to say predictions, but he, he always had this um, strong belief in you. He always said that you were going to be world champion. Can we talk a bit about some of the, I don't know, is it safe to say it's predictions, premonitions, whatever it was that he had? It was, it was prophecy, wasn't it? Prophecy, because 
He predicted that me and Deontay Wilder were the best two of the crop yeah. of all the young heavyweights coming up back in 2011, mm -hmm. before either of us were champions or even looked like being champions. So, yeah, it was like a Notre Dame moment. Mm -hmm. I, I often look at that video where he sat down in Austria somewhere, training camp, and they ask, ask him about the division at the time. And at the time, David Price was really hot. Robert Alenius, there was loads of Russian guys coming through. There was a few different American guys, but Main Stavern was nearly a world champion at that time. And there was quite a few guys, and I said, out of all of them, he said, you need a certain type of mental toughness. And he said, I don't see the rest of them, only Tyson and um, having the mental toughness of all of them. And there's another guy that nobody really talks about in America called Deontay Wilder. And he said, if he gets a, a solid training program, he can be a world champion too. Mm -hmm. So out of all the guys, there's been 20 top heavyweights back then. He named the two that went on to, to become world champion. Yeah, that's crazy yeah. to think about. Because like you were saying, he just always sort of said things that we've seen come to pass. It's pretty incredible, and it speaks just sort of how intelligent he, he always was when it came to the sport of boxing. Um, one thing I want to say was that not only did he call you the dominant heavyweight, he said that you were going to be the one after Klitschko to dominate the heavyweight division. That's right. And to see where you're sitting now, does that still kind of blow your mind a bit? It does. It does. It does blow your mind. But, you know, it's all hard work, dedication, determination, sacrifice. That's what I always say to kids who say, oh, I want to be a champion boxer. You can't just be a champion boxer. You've got to put all those things in. Hard work, dedication, sacrifice. Everything has to roll into one for even to be, even be considered to work. And it's a long, long time of practicing the same stuff every day for years. Like, I turned pro in this game 2008. Mm. We're now in 2020, that's 12 years as a professional. Although I had two and a half years in um, exile. Um, still a long time, just just, uh, just under 10 years as a pro active, mm -hmm. which is pretty long time, I'd say. Emmanuel said that- I'm Still, I'm getting it wrong. I'm still <laughs> learning. For 10 years doing the same job, day job every day. Emmanuel had said that, um, during the time that he did work with you, it seems like you didn't really know what it was that you wanted. What do you think he meant by that? Was there a time in your, in your early stages of your career where you thought that maybe you didn't want to be a boxer or that you, were, you weren't quite sure which direction you wanted to go in? No, um, what he probably meant by that was, I was in America training um, in Detroit and I had, was it three or four weeks with you guys in Detroit? And then I went home and then we, we um, went back to Austria for two weeks. Then I had, a, I had to fly away to uh, Quebec City mm -hmm. in Canada and do a fight out there. Mm -hmm. um, all the time, I still had a wife and child at home that I was away from. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to work with Emmanuel, I had to follow him around the world from, from champions training camp to training camp. And it wasn't like I was a young single guy who had, mm -hmm. who had no responsibility. And... I had to pay bills at home and I had to provide for my wife and child. I couldn't just run around the world in training camp after training camp. Mm -hmm. So that, that's why he said he didn't know really what he wanted because if I would have knew what I wanted back then, it would have been, okay, I'm going to train here in America and I'm going to follow you around from training camp to training camp. But at that time, I wasn't in a position where I didn't have the money to do that. I didn't have, I didn't have that type of money where I could just go around and leave my kids and wife at home. I needed to work still. 
You know, I had a day job too. I was still working. I was going to ask you that. I think that's something I've never asked you before was what was it that you were doing to sort of pay the bills in between trying to yeah, become exactly a fighter? Yeah. Because there was long periods of time when I wasn't boxing, right. inactivity at the highest amount. I would be selling cars and stuff, mm -hmm. car dealing, that sort of thing. Could you imagine like 12 years later, 12, imagine 12 years later, you're like, that guy sold me a car. <laughs> yeah, I sold, I sold a few cars, cut a few trees, you know, anything. Mm -hmm to try and get a few quid to pay me bills and look after my family. And that's where it all uh, went. You know, it was, um, boxing ain't easy. Like I say, even in a heavyweight division, even when you're a highly touted prospect, even when you've got so much expectation on you, people just don't come up and say, oh, there's 10 grand, go pay your bills. You've got to work and you've got to earn it, especially if you're not fighting regularly. So I may have only had like two fights a year or something and two fights a year at low level don't cut it, does it? As we all know. It's uh, pretty tough. So, yeah, at that time, I wasn't in a position to to go travelling around and living the life of a young single athlete with a bag on his shoulder. I had responsibility at a young age because I got married at 20 at Venezuela when I was just turned 21. At what point in your career were you able to sort of live off of boxing? Um, last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something like that. I don't think you can ever live off boxing, really. Can you really ever live off boxing? With boxing for me, smart. boxing for me comes in one hand and goes out the other. I'm just living day by day. I'm just happy to be alive. Like all that other stuff, like the the, the spoils of war and all the stuff that comes with um, being a champion and all that. I'm just happy to be alive and be healthy and out of trouble. And and I pray to God and I thank God every single night that I had a good day and I'm out of out of trouble and I'm healthy and I'm still alive. Because the money side of it, okay, it's great to have a few good whatever, but plenty of people have got money and I know plenty of people who have got money and they're not happy. So I don't believe it does bring happiness, but what I do brings me happiness, like training every day and keeping fit and running and getting up early and going to bed early. What time was in bed last night, Sean? 8.30. And I was up at 6.30. So I go to bed early, rise early. I like getting up early and going for a coffee, a Costa at the local petrol station. <laughs> love it. I love to keep things simple. I drive a truck, a Ford truck. You know, I ain't living some big extravagant lifestyle where I'm flying around on jets and helicopters and stuff. Sugar can tell you that. Live in a normal house, in a normal area, with normal people and normal friends. No big entourages, nothing, just, mm -hmm. just real people, because that's where we live in the real world. Detroit, what's up? <laughs> I know that I've been able to see that when we were all on tour together. Um, I got to see that side of you, you know, just how humble you are. Uh, when you're in boxing long enough, and I'm sure you know this, you've been around many world champions, there comes a time where people do change. It just happens. You see the transition. You see them when they're basically not famous to world superstars. Um, how do you maintain just sort of being humble? Like it's easy to get caught up in your own shit. I've seen it. I've been a boxing historian. I've watched lots of fighters from the past, lots of champions. And, you know, it's all short-lived. Flying Eye in May, shot down in June, like Frank Sinatra said. Uh, Flying Eye in April, shot down in uh, June, whatever, it, whatever them words are. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> Yeah, um, so, you know, nothing lasts forever. Everything great's got to come to an end sooner or later. Mm -hmm. So I'm just enjoying the ride and, you know, I'm, I'm on my second career and I've said it many, many times, this is my second shot at um, being a world champion. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just enjoying it every day. 
like the belts and all I saw saying I've got all the belts and I completed the game. Mm-hmm. I've won every single belt that boxing has to offer. I can't do anything more in boxing now than just treading water and keeping happy and staying healthy, staying alive, staying out of trouble, providing for my family, paying my bills, learning. Happy you days. feel like you've already sort of hit the pinnacle of your career then? For sure, you can't go any higher than a two-time undefeated world champion, the first one in history, may I say. I'm the first two-time undefeated world heavyweight champion ever because I ain't lost a fight. No one does that. First guy in history to complete all the belts in the Monopoly, every single one. Never been done before. Mm-hmm. So can I do anything more in boxing? Yeah, of course I can. I can just keep going with it. Just keep enjoying the game because you're a long time retired and you're a long time being a husband. You know, and no matter even if you undefeated and you win everything twenty times, when it's over, it's over, you're still a husband. Mm-hmm. Has been a world champion. They say better to be a husband than there never has been. But at the end of the day I'm joy- enjoying um, activity and being current today mm-hmm. because I know when I'm not current anymore when I'm 40 years old and all the young champions are coming up and knocking everyone out I will envy those guys like like the yesteryear champions envy me mm-hmm. so I'm just enjoying it life experiences on a daily basis you know I get to travel around with uh, my guy here Sugar Hill all the time every day all day every day <laughs> and uh, it is like when would a guy from Morecambe get to spend time with a, a random guy from Detroit in the normal world. Right. Only through boxing or sports do we get to see this type mm-hmm. of different culture clashes and the way different people are and that. That's why I'm here. A guy from Detroit. I'm in Malcolm, Malcolm Bay, watching the Bay uh, rise and fall twice a day to tide. I'm obsessed with that right now. <laughs> I just ride by like a little kid watching the, the, the Bay empties out completely. You know, I've never been there, so... You, you, See, that's what I'm trying. I'm, I'm spreading the news now. I'm teaching. Square miles of water. Really? It just empties out like like what? an empty bathtub. Like empty. Plug. Like it's dry. I mean. See, that would scare me. It would make me think that a um, a tsunami was coming. And where does the water go? <laughs> I don't know. No. Look like really? if it was hot enough, you would think that it's because it, it it disappears like it's hot. I mean, it's not like it's puddles and it's gone, and it's, the ground's not even, so I don't know where it's gone. <laughs> Like it's just you know going into the ground and you know, or evaporating, but it's not that hot there like that. So at a certain time of the day, does it return? Twice a day, it's tide and it's pulled by the moon. Oh. So twice a day, it's a tidal bay. So it gets sucked out into the ocean, <laughs> and then it gets pulled back in twice a day. It's like nine meters deep in that bay, and then it just goes. It must, I don't know how many gallons of water's in it. Tyson, if I was there and you didn't tell me that, and I saw the water there, and then the next second I didn't, I'd be freaking out you running out in inland, thinking a tsunami was coming. Six hours to go out, and then six hours to come back in. So it never stopped traveling all day, all night, pull out, pull in. Wow, that's interesting. It's working. It's constantly working. <laughs> Probably working too hard, I'd say. <laughs> all right, so I want to read a quote that Emmanuel said, and... and We've sort of talked about this when we were on tour, but I've never actually got a chance to talk to you about it in our interviews. Um, he Before said that start, when... I'd like to say a big shout-out to my long-term sponsor, Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> big shout-out you guys. You're the best. Um, okay, so uh, Emmanuel had said that when he had first met you, he saw that you were going through a lot of emotions with your dad being locked up. Where did you and get it was, all this from? This just, just, you know. I I'm hope just, you didn't make this up, Michelle. No, I, I just swear. <laughs> um, came from, it came from, it came from, 
So he said that he saw that you were going through a lot of emotions with your father being locked up and that it was bothering you very much. Um, can we talk about that time in your life yeah. and sort of how it impacted you and your direction in boxing? Yes, I, um, I think I was at seven fights when my dad got locked up. So I was early on in my career. Um, and my dad followed me everywhere around the world, amateur or professional, wherever I went, my dad went with me. So to not have him there for the first time ever, that was quite a shock to the system. But it was what it was. We have to man up, don't we, and, and crack on with life and, and deal with the hurdles that we uh, get dealt with. And it's like I always say, it's not how you get knocked down, but how we get back up again and keep moving forward in a positive way. Um, it wasn't good. You know, for the first time in my life, I didn't have to phone my dad, like, well, this has gone wrong. I've not done good in the gym today or the sparring was terrible or this fight's pulled out. So I had to turn to other people to talk to like that. You know, I was just married as well. So I didn't have that um, father figure that I could just talk to. So I had uncles and people like that I was talking to, but it's not the same, is it? No. Especially when someone's always there to to watch you or turn up to the sessions and you know what he's like he's he's always there talking his name and whatever you gotta love john <laughs> yeah for sure when you think back at that time though and and sort of where it left you emotionally was there a moment where you actually thought i don't want to do this without him yeah there was a moment um there was a moment that i, I didn't want to box anymore i couldn't be bothered with it there's been many moments like that in my career um, not just that time there's been maybe hundreds of those moments um, but I don't I don't think there'd be many fighters that can actually say that those moments um, don't go through the mind I've got to take Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is called Tim. Hello, Tim. You're on TV. <laughs> Say hello to Michelle. Hi, Tim. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. What are you doing this side of the country? I live here, mate. Do you, mate? Yeah, mate. I live in Manchester. 
Tim, we're just doing an interview. We're in live. Um, we, are we still good for one? One twenty or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just coming to Manchester now on a boat. Why don't you bring me shower with you? We'll see. Okay. Go on, say it a bit. Sorry about that. Okay. All right, so where I know... Where were we? You're, we were talking about the feeling of... Oh, walking, yeah, like... about the feeling of walking away and whatever. I think there's not many boxers that don't have them feelings throughout our career, but we just keep going and keep training and mm. working away, working away, and you... Without something to train for, then that's when those feelings come to reality. Mm -hmm. But when you've got a purpose or when you've got a goal, then the, uh, you don't get those feelings. When you're active, I only used to have those feelings when I was very inactive. And I've had a lot of inactive years in my uh, career. I've been out the, out the game for like nearly years on end. Like I had two, two and a half years out recently. And then before that one time I was supposed to box David A, that took like a year out of my life from April 13 to April 14. That was another year in active, so that's three and a half years. And then they had another year in between um, Derek Chisora and Vladimir Klitschko. So that's another year wasted because that fight got put back and put back. So yeah, inactivity. And then there was years where I was inactive when I was um, coming up in the game. Mm -hmm. So. You think, am I really doing the right thing? Should I be doing another job? If I put this much effort into any job, I'd be successful at it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it's was. it been a long, uh, a long drawn-out process. And like I say, doing the same thing day in, day out gets very repetitive and very boring at times. But that's where you spice things up, change things up, mm -hmm. and you, uh, you keep learning. Sugar, we saw you unlock something in Tyson Fury that we have not been able to see before. Um, what was it exactly? What, what, what methods were you guys doing? Because he really, I'm not going to lie. I, I told him I was worried when he kept saying, oh, I'm going to go for the knockout. And I'm like, uh, you know, like, so what was it that you, that you did to sort of, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, really. No, I'm joking. Um, I mean, it's a lot to it. It's not just, I mean, I can't just sit here and tell you exactly what I did. Uh, and, you know, because it, a lot of it is just knowing the person, uh, you know, knowing his personality. Um, you know, I'm joking around, like, but I say we're twins because we are alike, kind of like, you know, in a lot of ways. And that's why we get along so well. And, uh, you know, just knowing him and, and knowing how he reacts to certain things and, and uh, what he wants. Uh, I remember when we first talked about the fight and I was like, you know, if you want to win for sure. The only for sure the way to win is to get the knockout. And then he was just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm like cool like you know it makes it it makes it easy but it, i mean you know but like i believe like he believes in me because he knows me as well as i know him and and uh for us to just you know be together and to work together like this it just makes it a whole lot easier and a whole lot more fun i mean i'm i'm here now you know and Malcolm just and i tell everybody i'm on vacation mm -hmm. you know it's not i'm not working here i'm, I'm on vacation I'm, mm -hmm. I'm spending uh you know spending two fortnights with uh with Tyson Fury at home in the house, not at a hotel, you know, or with the family, you know. So for me, it's like I'm part of the family because it was the same treatment that he had when he came to Detroit. You know, he stayed in the house with uh with me and Emmanuel. So it was everybody we were all close, uh, and uh, you know, that actually goes a lot further than just I'm in the gym training Tyson, and then okay, I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, so how do I know what makes him laugh? What makes him cry? What makes him, you know, sad? What makes him get up? 
You know, you, you need to know a lot more about uh, a person or a, a fighter if you're training them and trying to be uh, trying to be and to win at that top level. And that's what Emmanuel taught me. Uh, he spent a lot of time with his fighters. That's why he can tell. He he was able to tell like Tyson's gonna be you know the next top heavyweight. You know, that's, right. that's running a division and, and things like that because he studies people. Uh, and most people aren't studying people. They just wanna hit the pads or just tell you what to do and that's it. But you really should know that person and that person should know you. Uh, you're going into war and each each of you have to trust each other and that, that goes a long way. There's always added pressure for a new trainer. Uh, when, someone tra when someone switches a trainer, the reason I say that is because oftentimes the media wants to immediately turn to the trainer if something goes wrong. If he lost, it was because he switched trainers. If, if he was knocked out, it was because he switched trainers. Did you feel any sense of added pressure because he is arguably one of the biggest superstars in boxing? I didn't feel any added pressure personally like that, but I, mean, I, I felt it around me, you know, but doesn't bother me, same as it doesn't bother him. That's, it makes me get up, makes me get up and go for it. Um, it's, I mean, I don't wanna say it's a routine thing, but I take pride in what I do with training. I like to win just as much as, you know, he likes to win and um, if I do have a fighter that loses, I do take fault at it because I feel like I, in some way I should have reached out to that person. I could have done something different. Whether they listen to me or not, it ain't really all they fought. It's a team effort mm -hmm. because if, if I'm telling him something and he don't believe in me, I can't just say, oh, it's his fault. Maybe it was something I could have said or done to make him understand me better and for him to believe in what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, I want to ask you about some current stuff because I know we're under some time pressures here, yeah. so I'm going to shoot him away. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, please, like it doesn't always go extended interviews. I don't know why, but it's only you and Coogan and I, we just have like these long interviews. I don't know how it's even possible, but continue. All right, so um, Anthony Joshua made uh, a statement. Uh, he said, Fury has been professional much longer than me. He should be looking to retire soon. I'll challenge Fury, I'll challenge Wilder. These guys aren't the biggest names on my record anyway. They are just another heavyweight. What do you have to say to him saying that? Sure, either yeah, one. Sure, yeah, sure, you answer it. <laughs> um, I'm almost forgetting the question because all I was going to say was, was, was uh, Anthony Joshua, he says a lot. So he was supposed to come into training camp and train with us, but I guess that goes to show how far his word goes. Well said. Yeah, we wanted, some of that. <laughs> we wanted some of that action, but he didn't. He said he was coming, then he didn't. So we can't really take what. Are he you said. talking about when he said, yeah. "I'll come out and try"? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't. So we can't really take what he says for uh, for his word anymore. So mm -hmm. it's what it is. Do you not find his comment to feel disrespectful? I mean, you guys are on good terms, or so it seems like you guys get along. Um, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, so I have to respect that. Okay. I have to respect his opinion. If I'm too old in the tooth and I need to retire, then come and retire me. Okay. Um, you ran into him in Spain. Was that, like, did you know he was going to be there? Like, or is it just the universe lined it up to where you're literally in the same parking lot? Me and Paris was having some uh, Italian food on the port in Benus. And we came out, I was driving down the port, and Paris went, oh, there's AJ. I went, where? What? She went there. 
And I said, so oh, yeah, so it's, I said, oh, you come here. Let's have a little chat. So we had a little chat for five minutes, and that was it, really. Drove on. What did he say? Because at this point, it was a lot of back and forth on social media. We didn't really say a lot. We didn't really say much. I just said, don't go and dress main Pulev and make sure you win. I said, because when I set up this big fight, he was like, yeah, you did the same with Wilder. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of business. Let's get the fight on. That was it, basically. Good luck and God bless you. Good night. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Well, Alexander Usyk is the the next mandatory after Pulev if, if he's successful against Pulev. He's not willing to budge. So he's not willing to allow the undisputed fight happen between you two. Knowing that, do you plan to, because I know you want to stay active, do you, is the plan to uh, maybe just get the WBC mandatory out of the way or maybe fight in the WWE or not fight? Is that what you call it? Fight? Is that the terminology in WWE? Slam each other down. Who is the mandatory, right? Is it Povetkin right now? Well, right. Um, obviously, in November, we have the rematch between Povetkin and Dillian White. So either, either one. But either way, you're going to have a mandatory. Is it, is it sort of like, let's just get the mandatory out of the way? or? I'm not too sure what's going on with all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So all I'm concentrating on is Deontay Wilder and the trilogy. Mm-hmm. What happens with Joshua and his peeps are none of my business, really. I don't really care. Or if they get chinned or knocked out or whatever, there's one bites the dust. situation, there's always going to be a positive to come out of it as well. So whatever happens, happens. I've just got to concentrate on me and what I'm doing in my career. Um, stay active, stay busy. And if the, the fight happens... See, all this undisputed bullshit, I'm not really too um, convinced about it. I've won every belt there is to win. And having another stack of belts that I already own don't really mean shit to me. So... Rather than fight uh, all these mandatories that he's got, I'd say just vacate those belts and fight the fight that everyone wants to see. You know, I ain't running from you. I don't care about you. I'll go through you like a hot knife through butter. So, you know, come and fight the big boy. Step up to the plate and get knocked out. Then go and fight all those easy guys. No, listen, no disrespect to Alexander Usek. Great fighter, cruiserweight world champion. Probably going to be an heavyweight champion if he fights Joshua in the meantime. But listen, don't don't take my don't take my retirement check, baby. Don't do it. I said to Wilder years ago. I said, don't take my retirement fund. Do not fight Joshua. He's mine. He's my countryman. I'm having him. I'm breaking him in. But it didn't happen. I got ugh. he got broken by uh, an unlikely uh, suspect. So it was what it was. Um, but you know. So you believe that Usyk will beat Joshua? Yeah, if they fight. But I I, I bet they don't. Because why would he fight Usek and get paid like 10% of what he can get make off the Gypsy King? Forget the belt, vacate it, let them boys fight for the vacant belt, whoever it is, Usek and uh, Parker, and then come up and fight big time. We're not in this boxing to fight some unknown guys. We're in this boxing to fight the biggest, best fights out there at this level. We're at the top of the game, fight. May the best man win, let the games begin. It's a boxing match, what's the worst that can happen? You can lose. Big deal. Get it on. Eddie Hearn said, Joshua knocks you out. Eddie Hearn says a lot of things, but I don't really believe a word he says. So, But again, I respect his opinion. I respect Johnny Nelson's opinion too. Because don't, don't think I haven't seen that, Johnny. Don't come kissing my ass, Johnny, when you see me anymore. Because you'll get that. Yeah, listen, you picked your guy. And that's it. No problem. I respect think? that. What did you make of Eddie saying that, that Joshua could knock out Tyson? It's nothing. It's nothing. Everyone I mean, says they can knock yeah. everybody out. I mean, people on the outside are going to talk. I mean, these two, those two guys have to get in there and fight. They have to both prepare. So mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, 
I don't think Eddie Hearn thought that uh, Pavekin would knock out Dylan White. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or he didn't think Dan Dero was a knockout AJ. Or that. So, a lot of or that's, a lot of opinions. Yeah, yeah. They're just out there guessing. It's like trying to hit the lotto. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to close with this, Sugar. Um, you've been around a lot of the biggest heavyweight names uh, in recent history alongside your, alongside your uncle. Where does Tyson fall amongst all of them? Right you want to put me out there like that? <laughs> right at the motherfucking top. What it? Very well put. Right at the top of you the know, tray. Tyson is a, you know, he is, he is, he's at the top, but like he said, he's still learning. So, you know, him being at the top and still learning, he gets to learn, you know, from, you know, those two guys. So he, the way I look at it, he can do nothing but be better than those guys, you know, to a, you know, to a different level mm-hmm. because he's watched those guys' careers and he studies boxing. And, uh, you know, to better himself, to be better, much better than them. And that's where, you know, that's where I believe he's at right now. Sorry, I have one more question for you. When you saw Tyson beat Vladimir Klitschko, tell me what, what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That was it. That was it. I was laughing. I mean, it was not in a, you know, in a funny way. surprised? Because your, your uncle spoke so highly of him. He literally said that you are the first. toughest opponent for Klitschko. I thought about that, too. He had on the magic shoes as well, uh, the crunk <laughs> shoes. He had the crunk shoes on that he managed to give him. And, uh, you know, when I saw the fight, because I didn't see it live, but I saw the fight, and I'm like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, you know, I could see it was trouble. And all I could do was laugh. I was just laughing the whole time, you know. Not in a bad way, but just, that's just my way of expressing, like, man, he's doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I didn't you – know, at that point in time, you know, I was more on, uh, you know, Vladimir's side because Emmanuel had just passed and it was still uh, – Jonathan was training him, so it was still kind of like a close-knit. But I was just sitting back laughing. And I was actually – I was talking with Andy, and then we were both just, just laughing. And I just looked at the uh, – looking through my phone, and there was a picture of the day – the day after the fight, and me and Andy are on a uh, FaceTime, and like, and me and, and I got a picture of Andy laughing. I was like, "What's this picture about?" And I checked the date, and I said, "Oh, this is the day after the fight." Me and Andy were just cracking up laughing. Mm-hmm. How crazy! I mean, just to think that after after all that time, after what your uncle had said, it proved to yet again be true. Well, may he rest in peace, the legend that is Emmanuel Stewart. Thank you guys so much for. Uh, taking the time to be here and giving me this exclusive to have you both sitting down. This is our first interview, one of many to come. <laughs> Do you have anything to anything to say? No, I'm not a big talker, so you don't have to be worrying about me saying something and asking somebody how do you feel about what he said. I make sure not to do that again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I know how to answer the question the way I want to, so it's yeah, yeah, not yeah. a problem with me. It's actually, it's actually interesting. It keeps me sharp, mm-hmm. you know, from working in the courts all these years and mm-hmm. being a, you know, officer. You got to know what to say, when to say it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tice? words? I'm just glad that I've got a, a 12-year serving officer of the law on my side telling me what to say, when to say it. Well, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. I uh, look forward to uh, seeing what happens in December. Hopefully, Lord willing, we get the fight yeah. with Deontay Wilder. We haven't heard much from Deontay. He's been very quiet. We don't know. It could be a good thing. He could be in the gym working hard. 
Yep. He's in fantastic shape. He's training hard. He's really motivated for the fight. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give the fans a great fight again. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll have crowds back wherever it is that you guys just you know, agree on. By, by Deontay Wilder being so silent and everything, uh, it's dangerous. Right. You know, he ain't talking now. Before, you know, people do a lot of talking. It's the quiet ones you got to watch out for. Well, that means he's, he's focusing. He's, he's not That's caring about... Said too. <laughs> That's what mom said. Mm -hmm. My mother said he's been very quiet. He's away in the gym, training his mm -hmm. off, and you need to do the same. Mm -hmm. So you got to listen to mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Bye, fight fans. Sports Social Podcast Network.